In September of 2022, I read a blog post written by a friend's husband named Chad Van Eggs. In the post, Chad announced to the world that at 39 years old, he'd been diagnosed with stage four terminal lung cancer. The doctors told him that if the medication didn't work, he'd have about six months to live. Even if it did work, there was only a 10% chance he'd live longer than five years. The news was a huge shock. Chad's an athlete, an adventurer, and he's young. His blog post stayed with me. I've been following along in his journey ever since. Each day, Chad posts an update on his social media about his physical and emotional health. His cancer diagnosis has been devastating, but it's also encouraged him to go after all the wild ideas he's put off or been afraid of. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Chad is a surfer, runner, and all-around athlete. He works in tech sales and owns a flower farm in Ventura, California with his wife, Stacy. And the year and a half since his diagnosis, Chad has been living his wildest, most authentic life as he faces his own mortality. Cancer isn't the message, but it's been the vehicle that's pushed him to become what he calls physically and mentally elite. He's also sharing this journey with others in real time. Chad Van Eggs, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you. I figured you'd just start and tell us a little bit about that post that I saw that everybody else saw that talks about your diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in July of 2022. Doctors told me I had six to 12 months to live if the medication didn't work. If it does work, it could work for like 10 years or it could work for like six months. The average is only a year and a half. That's the background on what's happening. And um, when I got diagnosed, my wife and I took 60 days to decide, are we going to be public about this or are we going to be private about this? Well, we decided we could be public and say, hey, look, if we're going to be public, we're going to go all in, right? We're just going to go all in in this whole thing. And so I did this video where it gave context, basically saying, here's my diagnosis, right? The chances of living to five years is 14%. And I'm going to document every day how I'm becoming physically and mentally elite to heal and to be able to accomplish the things I still want to accomplish in the time I have left in the hopes that I get 60 years, but also in my mind, maybe only 18 months. So I did that video and I scripted that out and I recorded it. I put it up. It went viral. And viral is craziness. It was like, it's been viewed like 5 million times. And I went from 2,000 followers to 148,000 followers in just like 30 days. And apparently it's been resonating because people are like, holy smokes, that's tough. And I want to maximize life too. So now every day I try to document something about how do we get the most out of this life that we have. So mentally, what have you done to sort of start training your mind? Because that's hard for all of us. Yeah, I mean, it, depending on what age you are, but let, I'm, I'm 40 now, right? I'm 40. And so we can look at thought patterns that have started developing at like the age of 15, right? You got to understand the way the brain works. It's like, it's called firing and wiring. You put, you put a thought together and it'll create neurons in the brain that they'll link together. So for me, like cancer forced me to really think about this stuff, right? It's thinking about thinking, right? It's like metacognition. Essentially, it's super meta, right? You're thinking about your thoughts. Because when you can analyze your thoughts and you can think about how that thought is serving you or not serving you, 
then that's when you first become aware and then you can break it. So the example is simply this. I had a thought and it, it was, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Now, that thought had been happening my whole life, but in the background because I wired it and all of a sudden it's subconscious. Think about when you drive to work or the grocery store. You actually don't think about how to get there because it's so ingrained. It's the same thing with that thought. I thought it once, I thought it twice, I kept thinking it, and next thing you know, I don't even know what's happening. And so this idea of like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, is producing not only the wrong thought, but it's producing the wrong chemicals. It's called psychoneuroimmunology, meaning where your thought actually produces a chemical feeling. So you feel the thought. So if you're angry at something, you feel the anger. So when I started doing this mental work, I recognized that as one of the thoughts that was not serving me. Because when you are producing the wrong chemicals, the body goes out of homeostasis. It goes out of balance. And that's where destruction happens if you're in it too long. So I was like, okay, that thought's not serving me. I recognized it and now I need to change it. And so now what I do is I step back and say, well, what would be the better thought that serves me? And so after doing some work on that, I come out of that mental work and I'm like, ah, I'm actually right where I need to be. And so now instead of going through the day going, ah, I'm not where I'm supposed to be or I'm behind, I now go, I'm right where I need to be. And when you change that thought and you recognize it, all of a sudden I feel differently. Now I think about I'm right where I need to be. And when you feel like you're right where you need to be, you create chemicals like dopamine and serotonin, which are good energetic chemicals. And now I can go throughout the day like, all right. I'm good. I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people. I mean, I think that all the time. And I think as adventurers, we suffer from serious FOMO all the time. All like, the time. We're always looking at people going to Kelly Slater's wave pool. Oh, you actually <laughs> just went, which is awesome. And I'm stoked yeah. for you. Yeah. Or, you know, you people climbing me. Everest. And, you know, while you were talking, I just started saying, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm exactly where I need to be. And I feel really good. And I think that's something we can all try right now, listening in our car or wherever we are listening to this on the trail. That's really cool. So that's really good advice. Is there any other advice you've taken recently that you're just giving to people that's almost as easy as this on how to be mentally fit? Because that's actually not easy. It's hard, but it's simple. You're right. It's the simplest thing, but it's the hardest thing. Here's why. People don't want to put the work in. I do this two and a half hours a day. People think it's asinine. They're like, what? So I wake up somewhere between like at 5 a.m. or 5.30, something like that. And the first thing I do is chuck 25 ounces of water. You got to hydrate. I sit down, I put headphones on. And the first thing I do is I literally think about where my mind is. And then I start putting out like, okay, where does it need to be? And I spend the first 20, 25 minutes of that morning getting those thoughts properly aligned so chad when most people wake up hold on they're like ah <laughs> i have this and this to do and oh my god like yeah. that happens a lot to me well dude that, that's that's that repetition right what's the first thing you wake up you hit the alarm you make the coffee you check the phone you check the email you check your meetings right and you do the same shit every day how are you going to change anything in your head if that's the first thing you go to now that being said i don't have kids okay People who have kids, this is not as easy. And I'm, I very much recognize that. Now, there are people out there that I know that do have kids and spend the time before the kids get up to do this. So it's not impossible. 
Wait, hold on. So back in the morning, you got your headphones on, 20 minutes, you're reframing your thought, and then what? So 20 minutes in the morning, and then I do my work, right? I, I do things that creative work in the morning because I need to keep making things. That's what makes me feel good. One of my sayings in my head is, create for the world. You were born for this. That's another psychological shift. So I go through the work. I do things like this, this podcast or whatever. And then at about one o'clock, two o'clock, I then do what I call a walking mental work. Because everything comes down to your energy state, right? Think about it. When you have a negative thought, an anger thought, your energy, right, gets depleted because you're angry, you're bitter, you're depressed. The way you think is going to make the way you feel. So now you feel down and out. You know, poor me. And that's what happens to me at about one o'clock. I can feel it change. And so now what I do is I get up and I start this walking mental work where I'll walk for an hour and 15 minutes. And I just say, first and foremost, I love you. I used to never tell myself I love myself. Hey, I love you. And I'm proud of you because one of the things that I think that actually put me on this path was disappointment in myself, right? So I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. And this is like the body talking to my head. I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I have the medication. You're going to be okay. Take care of me physically and mentally, and you're going to be the fucking outlier, right? And then I say, well, why me? And then it's like, well, why not you? And then I follow up with, go create for the world. You were born for this shit. And then the next part is, your new life is saving lives. This mission will set you free, and it will heal you. That's the path I walk for an hour and 15 minutes, repeating that over and over my entire body shifts, my entire mental state shifts, and I can operate while having nine lesions in my brain and the tumor in my fucking lung. How do you feel yourself shift? Talk to me. Like, what, what changes? Everything. My energy levels. I feel positive. I feel like I can beat this. I can do this. And more importantly, I'm okay. I'm starting to be okay if I die in 18 months. I don't want to. I don't want to die but I'm starting to be okay with it. And that's purely because I realized, frankly, I'm going out with the bank. Even before his illness, Chad was an avid athlete. He played soccer in college, and he connected with his wife, Stacy over surfing. He's always had big, wild ideas, and now his diagnosis has upped the ante on going after them, both mentally and physically. I want to talk about the physical side because you're a surfer. I think you might be a runner. You just seem like a really active guy. What are you doing right now to become physically elite? Uh, so the first part of the physical side is I do stuff that challenge me physically because I still can. And I'm afraid. I'm literally, because you know, when people think stage four lung cancer, they think I'm like debilitated and I'm like sick and all this stuff. Yeah, you don't look sick. Yeah, I don't feel sick, which is crazy. You don't feel sick. Well, that's the main reason is because I took care of the food, I took care of the fitness, and I'm taking care of the mind. When I didn't do that at the beginning, I did not feel well because I take a pill. It's a targeted therapy and it's chemo, but it's a step down from the regular chemo that you think. And all these people in a forum for this type of pill talk about how bad it makes them feel. And when I started on it, like it felt like car sickness for hours. Like if anybody's ever been car sick, that's what it was like throughout the day, just being car sick and it sucked. And then I was like, well, you got to clean up even more. And so now I clean up, I clean up the food, I clean up the physical and like, I don't feel any effects of it. So what does that look like for you? You're cleaned up physical and cleaned up food. Yeah. So, I mean, 
everybody debates in this cancer world. It's like you live in this world, whole foods, plant-based, only no animal protein. And then you got the other side, the ketogenic and like they, they plant that, their flesh. That's in the non-cancer world too, dude. Yeah, like that's uh, everywhere. Yes. <laughs> but here's the thing that bothers the shit out of me. It's like you got these people planting flags and you got people like me whose life is on the line. And all I want to say is just agree. Just find something for me because I can't handle your guys bickering. So- on the food side, I definitely reduced red meat because it increases iron and ferritin levels, which increases inflammation. I still eat things once in a while, but that's it. The majority now is is a lot of plants. So they do agree. Eat cruciferous vegetables. Like everybody's on the same page on that. Vegetables are the key. Where you get the protein is the debate. I do it from wild caught salmon, a lot of avocados for the high fat component. And then I add in either a plant-based or, or a collagen type protein powder to, to mix it in. Because I've been low on protein and you could feel that, especially on the medicine. And it really messed me up. Yeah, I went vegan for a couple of years and it didn't work for me. I eat very similarly to you and it feels the best. But what else? Like you train, you walk, you surf. So I, I do the physical stuff to compete. Like I said, I did a half Ironman in June, not because I like running and biking but because I just needed a challenge. In fact, I will never do a half Ironman again because I got bored <laughs> out of my mind. Really? But I will do these races that are considered adventure races, like Xterra races, where you do mountain biking side of the triathlon. You swim a river or you swim a lake, right? And you run trails versus like the hot pavement in Hawaii. So I do that. And then on the surfing side, like, look, I want to surf Mavericks. Anybody who knows Mavericks, Mavericks is a pretty big wave. I don't want to surf Mavericks, so I really respect you for wanting okay. to surf Mavericks. You got to remember, like, I have a 1% chance of surfing Mavericks, right? The reason I want to surf it is because it keeps my head in the game. And, like, I have a real desire to surf it. I'm very well aware of the reality that I probably it's going to be a low percentage chance. But I'm going to take the swing anyway. And so when I think that way and feel that way, that's what keeps me motivated to stay fit. Mavericks is a beach in Northern California where the waves can get to be anywhere between 25 and 60 feet tall, maybe more. To be able to surf there, athletes have to be incredibly skilled and do tons of training. Even if you're one of the most talented surfers, it's still tough to catch a wave at Mavericks. But right now for Chad, it doesn't matter if the chances of success are low, He's not afraid to try. When we come back, Chad talks about living spontaneously, throwing a dart at a map, and starting a U-Pick flower farm. He also shares the latest update on his health. If you're looking to go on more adventures this year, I have something you're going to love. Did you know that REI offers wholly immersive outdoor experiences where they manage all of the details? I'm talking bucket list vacations, like camping in Bryce Canyon or snowshoeing through Lake Tahoe. They'll even take you cycling through Alaska. REI organizes all of the accommodations and works with world-class guides to plan your outdoor adventure and make sure you're doing it safely. What I love most is that these trips cater to beginners and experts and are suitable for various groups, including families, women, and those under 35. That means that there's an adventure for everyone. With more than 100 trips from coast to coast, REI is sure to have a trip that will get you outside, learn new skills, and meet new friends for future adventures. And there's a bonus if you're an REI co-op member. 
Members save an average of $400 on each trip they book and get a bunch of other benefits. If you're not a member yet, we'll share a link in the show notes so you can join today. Visit REI.com slash adventures to find the itinerary for you. That's REI.com slash adventures. Chad Van Eggs is a man of incredible drive and ambition. When he was diagnosed with terminal cancer in 2022, he decided to optimize his mental and physical health. Every day he spends time centering his thoughts, repeating positive affirmations, and working out. As a result, Chad looks and feels incredibly healthy. It helps that he has a lot of goals and wild ideas to focus on. You get one shot at this life, man, and it's like, don't waste it. That's why I say I don't want to have any gas in the tank. I feel like too many people, when I say gas in the tank, call it potential. I get all motivationally annoying right now, right? Where it's just kind of like, we have gas in the tank and then so many people leave gas in the tank when it's their time to go. I do not want to have gas in my tank when it's my time. I feel like you've always been like this though. I don't even know you. I have been. Is there a reason why you were like that before? Like I was always like that because I had a dad die suddenly when I was little, but I was always kind of like that before. But then I was like, Jesus, you can just die in like a heart attack and that's it. We can all just die tomorrow. Like we all have maybe four months to live or 10 months or 20 months or we don't know. That is one of the great mysteries of life. Many people have said to me, like, oh, well, Chad, like, I mean, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I go, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I would rather get hit by a bus because it's an acute death. Whereas right now, I am walking out into the street, stepping into the street, watching the bus come in slow motion. I get to watch it in slow motion. Yeah, that sucks. And that's real. And that's shitty. But to answer your question, yes, I've been like this my entire life. In fact, my journal, my, I used to write every morning. My journal was titled the number of days until I died at 100. And I would just update it every month or so. So I'd say, all right, 31,677 days left before I die. Yeah, I feel like you're a guy who wants to put a lot into one day and you want to squeeze the juice out of life, which is really, <laughs> really beautiful. You and Stacy recently took a dart, threw it in a map. <laughs> is that true? Like, I, yeah, I saw this on Instagram. What happened? Oh, it was epic. I had been thinking about this for years show up at LAX with a little map. I take a dart and I throw it at the map and whatever country it lands on, that's the ticket we buy right then and there and we go. Always wanted to do that. And so for my 40th birthday and because of the diagnosis when I was like, well, it, I mean, if I don't have time, it's time to do it. So I made this little map. It wasn't like a world map because you know I could. there's mostly ocean. So I'd hit the ocean probably 16 times. I took the map. We went to LAX. I put it up on the wall at LAX outside, of course, because you don't want to be throwing darts inside. I took a dart and I chucked it at the map and it landed on Jordan. You literally just like took a map, put it up against a random wall at LAX, parked your car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this is the best. Parked the car in the parking lot. Stacey and I packed for, it could have been cold. It could have been hot. So we had to pack for everything. And we parked our car in the parking lot with all our stuff. And then we went to the wall downstairs below Tom Bradley, there's a wall down there that had, it was like construction. So there was a wooden wall and I taped it up to the wall. 
Nobody like stopped you with your darts. Oh no, they did. <laughs> okay. They, they don't, no one, no one stopped me from throwing. But a flight crew from some Asian airline, they came by and they saw me winding up with the dart. <laughs> and the flight crew goes, "What are you doing?" And I go, "Oh, I'm throwing a dart. To see where I go." All of them were like, "Oh, that is awesome." They all sat there and like, "Let's let's see where this goes." <laughs> so I had a flight crew waiting. Awesome. Threw the dart, hit Jordan. Stacy and I went upstairs. Two hours later, we had tickets booked to Jordan, to Amman, Jordan. We got on the flight four hours later. So did you just wait at, like, LAX, those that whole six hours? Yeah, yeah. And you just kind of repacked a little bit and left some clothes yeah, in Yeah, we car? went back to the car. We're like, okay, we don't, need, we don't need the cold clothes. So many people dream of doing something spontaneous, like throwing a dart at a map and buying a plane ticket. But they never actually do it. Chad isn't sure how much time he has left, so he's chosen to take his wild ideas pretty seriously. Sometimes that means training for a physical challenge on his bucket list. Other times, he pulls on threads of curiosity that he'd never considered before. For example, he and his wife Stacy started a U-Pick flower farm on their land in Ventura, California. So you surf, you've got your mental game, and a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, I'm not exactly sure when, maybe before the pandemic, you and Stacy bought this piece of land in Ventura that you converted into a farm. So talk to me about how you guys became farmers, urban farmers, yeah. and, and started Tequila Farm, which is yeah. a great name, tea and yeah. tequila. Let's not overstate the farmers part at this point, because we're still learning. We have no idea what the hell we're doing. It's okay. But Here's the deal. Five years before we bought the place, I kept writing down every morning, I just want a half acre of land near a pumping point break, three dogs. That's what I kept writing down, writing down. I remember we were coming, I was like, I just want to get out of Culver City in LA. I just need to go. We need to go for drives. So we'd go for drives and we stumbled on this property. And I looked, I go, it's a half acre of land. And I was like, oh my God, it's seven minutes from Ventura Point. What do you know? And so I was like, how do we get it? And I remember I grew up in Fixer Uppers. It's dilapidated. It's pretty run down. It had been vacant for a year and a half. And I looked at Stacy. I had been, been living in, I grew up in remodels. That's how I grew up. And Stacy had never. So I was like, oh, big guy, she's not going to want to do this. She walked back there, saw the property, saw everything. She goes, oh, we're going to do this. Yes. So we were like, let's go. And so we were like, all right. We got this property. I don't want to have to work a full-time job to pay for California real estate right? So we need to turn it into an income producing asset. And like, well, what can we do? Well, we always wanted to have a little bit of farm components. So we're like, let's start growing food and figuring it out. We did that for a while, realized, eh, it's all right. Stacy's got a design eye. She was in fashion. So flowers became really appealing to her. And we did our first flower season and started taking off. And like, it's beautiful. It's easy to grow. It's fun to grow. I like it. She loves it. People love it. And that's kind of where we're at. So now it's turned into a full-fledged flower farm. So tell me what it looks like, what kind of flowers you grow. I mean, it's a podcast. So like, take me into tequila farm. <laughs> I don't know what kind of flowers we grow. I actually don't know the name. She knows zinnia. I heard zinnias and sweepies. Look, I'm so bad at this. Like, you know, like I just build my, my job title at tequila farm. By the way, it's called tequila farm because I love tequila. She loved tea. So we called it tequila farm. I, I just, I build drip systems. That's my job. I build op systems, right? She grows the flowers. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Like I've seen pictures of it. It looks like so joyful to walk in. And I'm just curious how Tequila Farm has fit into your whole journey right now. 
No, good good question on that. Like for for Stacy, it's a place of reprieve, right? Like she doesn't take care of me physically, but she still is a caretaker on the mental and emotional side. What you're hearing from me is probably the most me I've been in 15 months. My nickname was Charger Chat, right? Because I just love charging stuff, whether it's the waves or anything else. And so what you're hearing and how I'm talking, that's Charger Chat, who's been basically absent for 15 months. So for 15 months, Stacy was just being the mental and emotional caretaker on many fronts. And so whenever I'd go in bad places, her reprieve was the flowers. And she would go out there in that space that would give her peace. So that was a big part of it. For me, part of my happiness is building things. I love to build things. And I want to build things to grow, right? I come up with something crazy and I build it. People always ask me, you want your tombstone? And I'm just like, all it needs to say is did what he said he was going to do. That's it. So I get out there and I'm like, all right, what's this idea? All right, we're going to do it. Your diagnosis, you should pass what the doctor said, which is pretty awesome. And that could just keep going. You could keep defying them. How, how is that going right now? Like, how is your health? Can I ask? Uh, physically, I feel great. Mentally, I'm improving because of the work. So I have nine lesions in my brain. And the last scan showed that five of the nine increased slightly in size. Only one is concerning. The rest are not urgent. But even that one that's concerning isn't also urgent. In fact, they haven't even messaged me to, to do the next step on whatever that is. So either they forgot about me or they're not worried about it. Okay. Um, but here's on the flip side. My lung tumor went down by at least 30% upwards of 50%. And it didn't. For nine months, it stayed the same. So for it to go for nine months of no change, down 30% or 40%, upwards of 50%, depending on the doctor you talk to, is baffling. And the doctor even said, we have no idea why this would happen. I have a hunch on why this happened. Yeah, you're doing the work. I'm doing the work. When your energy is down, you create the chemical process that destroys the immune system. But when your energy level is up, your cellular makeup is definitely in a more energetic state. So my hunch is it has something to do with that. So I feel great, but I got scans coming up in 60 days and I think about it and it scares the shit out of me. But right now I'm in a good place. This is why I'm, I'm racing and probably uh, operating at 10x the levels that I normally operate. What do you want people who listen to this podcast? Like what else do you want them to know? I mean, you've dropped a million gems of wisdom. I took so much from this. This is what I want people to know. Like, Happiness is all that matters. It's all that matters. I don't care what you do. Like, I'm a different person. I like to go do a lot of stuff that makes me happy. If you're just happy with your job that you have and your family that you have and all that, that's all I care about, right? But the minute you don't feel that happiness, and by the way, when I say happy, the goal is to be happy 80% of the time because you can never be 100% happy because there's still shit like taxes and stuff, right? That's just not going to make you happy. So you're going to have the 20% BS. So my goal, what I want everybody to be is happy. And if you're not that, right, there's a difference. Like you're either in a hamster wheel or you're in a maze. You ever done like a, a corn maze? They're super fun. They're epic. They're absolutely epic. You bounce off things. You can't figure out the way to go. But at some point, there's an exit somewhere. And it's fun. Mazes are fun. But if you're in a hamster wheel... You're just running in place, man. The next thing you know, time collapses. And 10 years went by, where'd that go? 
So the first step is to find out if you're in a hamster wheel or if you're in a maze. Happiness is found in the maze, not in the hamster wheel. Chad Vanniggs, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you want to follow Chad, check him out on Instagram at Chad Vanniggs. That's C-H-A-D-V-A-N-A-G-S. You can also check out his website at chadvanniggs.com. If you want to learn more about his You Pick Flowers, you can go to tequilafarm.com. That's Tequila Farm, T-E-A-Q-U-I-L-A-F-A-R-M. Finally, you can watch Chad's new documentary series, Uncharted Spirits, on YouTube. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Pierce-Nitzberg of Puddle Creative. Our senior producers are Jenny Barber and Hannah Boyd. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, take time to rate it, and write a review wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.